0: you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by the Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each month they send one to two books featuring characters of underrepresented backgrounds. Little Feminist spends months consulting with a team of educators, librarians, and parents to pick each book and create a suite of hands-on activities to accompany them. Whether it's treasure hunts or DIY musical instruments, the goal of the included activities is to make the stories come alive for both children and families. Go to littlefeminist.com to learn more. Raise good humans, one children's book at a time.
1: It's so funny, I just it still feels like, you know, March 900th. It like does. it's so hard for me to believe it's November.
0: This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number six forty-five. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash Matthew C winner if you want to support the show. Today I'm joined by KA Holt, author of Ben B and the Teacher Griefer. K.A.'s first book in the Kids Under the Stairs series introduces readers to Ben B., Ben Y., Javier, and Jordan, four children forced to take a summer school class in order to improve their scores on the state assessment. It's a story about learning how to exist together and also one about learning how not to censor yourself. K.A. pours a lot of heart into this story in order to bring us closer to a group of kids who, in my opinion, don't get seen often enough in schools. As you might guess, I saw a lot of my students in this book their interests, their friendships, and the way they fight to be seen day after day, even when they might not feel like they are seen. As for Ben B., Ben Y., Javier, and Jordan, have a lot more story to tell, and I'm so glad that K.A. is working to help them tell it. Please welcome my guest, K.A. Holt, author of Ben B. and the Teacher Griefer, the first book in the Kids Under the Stairs series.
1: My name is Carrie Ann Holt. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, hers. Uh, I write books for kids uh most of the books i write are middle grade novels um a lot of those are middle grade novels in verse um and i do have a picture book out and maybe one day i'll have another one. <laughs>
0: oh, i love your picture book did we talk about by the way hi carrie welcome back <laughs>
1: <Hi>. <laughs> thank you so much for having me
0: i'm really just picking up from a year and a half two years ago when i when we saw each other at ala we had dinner in dc I'm yeah. really just picking up from there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's fine, it's perfect.
0: No, but um I, I I I think that a colleague of mine I'm just jumping in and having a moment, realizing that I think a colleague of mine contacted you or reached out to you over social media or something about your picture book because um because it's beautiful <laughs> <Among> other things <laughs> and also because it cracked her daughter it just
1: cracked oh, her oh yeah she sent the video of her daughter exactly yes. as she was reading that was i have it on my phone so i can watch it when i feel sad it's so sweet it's so, well it's i'm not so going to mention
0: the daughter i'll say that her initial begins with the letter c but that she's in my partner class we were talking before recording about oh, my partner great. class she's in my partner class so we have lunch and recess every single day together uh and katie the mom Uh, is a colleague of mine and just wonderful and so when they mentioned have you seen this picture book yet I was like Carrie Ann Holt I know who this person (laughs) is (laughs) so that is lovely too Um, well really I feel like you're a friend and so to see folks picking up books by my friends it just feels special so yay that we are back together to talk about Ben B and the teacher Griefer congratulations on another novel out that's super
1: exciting Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have this book out. This book was one of my most favorite ones to write. I had so much fun writing it and so much fun getting to know these kids. It was, I, it's a, I I had know. so much fun reading this book. Taylor, your
0: your editor reached out to me and and you know i've I've known Taylor for a couple years now because she's been at Chronicle for for years. and she reached out and just said, "I know you need time to read books because <laughs> I'm a very <laughs> slow reader, but she was like, if I give this to you way in advance, would you be will- or Are you just interested? Are you interested in reading this? She's like, I feel like this is a book that would speak to you, would speak to your heart. Are you interested? And I, Carrie, I devoured your book. I, I, the, the arc that I have, um, is just dog-eared maybe every six pages, <laughs> dog-eared to a page about a, a line or a turn of phrase or a representation of a child. That I just love. So before I go too heavy nerding out on this book, could you please introduce Ben B and the Teacher Griefer to those that that haven't met this book yet? Can you do a book
1: talk for me? Yeah, sure. Um, Okay, so Ben B and the Teacher Griefer uh, is about four kids, Ben B, Ben Y, Jordan J, and Javier. And they've all failed a part of their state uh, state, uh, test that you have in Florida. It's one of these kind of In Texas, we call it the STAR test. Um, But in Florida, in this book, they call it the FART. Um, And that is an acronym that is not quite accurate. Some of the letters are transposed, but it's basically this Florida assessment test. They've failed the language arts part. Um, So they're in summer school. And because there's so few of them, they've been kind of crushed into this tiny classroom that's in the stairwell of their middle school. Um, And none of them want to be there. None of them like reading. None of them want to read out loud. They're being very obstinate. And their teacher is kind of at her wit's end. Um, And the book begins with her teacher asking them, um, what can I do to help you? Help me help you because you're going to have to take this assessment again. What can we do? And so they make a deal with her that uh, for every 10 minutes they read out loud in class, she will play video games with them for 10 minutes at the end of class because they're all obsessed with this video game called Sandbox. sandbox is a lot like minecraft um and the kids love it because there's no failure in sandbox if you mess something up it just becomes some weird thing that you can add to the world and they feel successful when they play the game and so they're sort of teaching her throughout the book that you know video games aren't necessarily a waste of time and she's teaching them that in video games they have to chat and maybe they can chat in full sentences and you know maybe that reading isn't quite so terrible if they're invested in the story and you get to see the perspectives of all four kids throughout the book. Um, some of it is in free verse. Uh, some of it is in stream of consciousness. And some of it is in drawings. Um, Javier expresses himself drawing. Um, and those are drawings that I did my own self, which was quite tricky and unplanned, um, <laughs> but turned out okay in the end. Turns out um, you're anyway, the it's illustrator really different. of
0: this book as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am indeed the uncredited illustrator of Ben being the teacher. <laughs> So there's a very long book talk for you because I don't know how to do elevator speeches.
0: No, I, 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 you know, this podcast, <laughs> this is going to be a 30 plus minute conversation. I don't know how to do <laughs> conversations. It's all good. You're in the right place. <laughs> so, so I, I, I would love to know how you first came into this story. And I'm trying to say that the right way, because I know different authors come into different stories, different ways, whether it's by meeting a character by um, m- maybe in your your school visits, you saw a group of kids uh, underrepresented in literature that you wanted to see represented. Where where did this book start for you?
1: So when I do school visits, um, very often it's for like a giant uh, <clears throat> auditorium full of kids, you know, 500, 600 kids at once. Um, and there, were, uh, there was one particular visit where after I had done my presentation, I discovered that um, there was a group of kids who were not there. And it was a one book, one school read. Every kid read the book, even if the book had been read to them because of learning differences. But this class didn't get to come because they were known to be like the the quote unquote troublemakers. And the teachers didn't want to have to deal with any kind of disciplinary anything or have me... Get thrown off by being interrupted or whatever, Um, and I got really mad that they weren't there because these kids read the book just like everyone else did, and they deserve to be there to hear the author speak. And so I demanded that they take me to the classroom, even if it meant missing my flight, because it's it's not fair. And they did all of the work, and so I went into the room to talk to the kids and. You know they were wonderful, and we had a great talk about the book and the um, the scenes that they loved. And they were just like they couldn't believe that the author would come and talk to them personally. And it really just took me aback for a minute. You know that this might have actually happened in in previous visits to other schools and other districts. That there are the there are the kids under the stairs. You know the ones that that get kind of swept aside sometimes. And I have met teachers in my travels who dedicate their their lives, their everything to to helping these kids feel successful. Um, my mother was a teacher like that. When I was a kid, my sister and I grew up um, wrapping presents uh, for all of the kids in my mom's classes because my mom knew that they needed toothbrushes and books and things like that. And I wanted to write a book about a teacher like that, and I wanted for kids to see seen the kids who don't, you know, always feel seen. Uh, and then there was a moment last summer when my youngest son was refusing to read and only playing video games. And I, he and I made a deal where I would, he would teach me how to play video games for 30 minutes and he would read for 30 minutes. Um, and so he read several graphic novels in the summer. I learned how to play Undertale and Skyrim. Um, and it it was a cool kind of, it was a bonding thing that really like surprised me because, he was right. You know, when I saw him play Minecraft and I saw like the architectural stuff that he was doing, he's learning a little bit of science here and there with the things that they're mining. Like I started buying him architecture books for his birthday. Um, so that he would have things to model after And it. And I learned so much just from taking a second to actually see him feel successful in something. And then he was able to trust me to know that I would give him the books that he would also like, you know, it was, it was cool.
0: We're recording this in November, uh, months and months into the pandemic. And my son, I think like many children uh, having sorely missed out on the social aspect of school, because we are virtual. uh, And even though his class meets virtually, it's, school is so tight on time that when you show up it's time to learn and then you get off your screen and you work independently then you show up again and you're you're instructed to more we're, we're just not we don't we don't build in the little time uh, that, that children would use just to lean over one desk to another and talk to catch up in the hallway to have lunch recess together things like that and the way that he has um, responded to that, or the way he's coped with that, Carrie, is that he's playing Fortnite for—I think it's—it's it's safe to say—way more hours than my <laughs> partner and I are comfortable with. But at the same time, we are holding in tension the fact that that is where he socializes with friends. Mm-hmm. He, he uses that the the voice chat to talk to them or he's on discord texting with them or he's um, studying YouTube channels and then coming back and applying what he's watching to do different fashion shows or challenges or whatever in the game. And so as a parent trying to find that balance of where do we push uh, and where do we we allow or permit because this is a kid that that. I've talked on record before about how reading's not his thing. School's not his thing, but in a time of trauma and stress, do I want to be part of driving that wedge even deeper or do I want to, to let him know that I see him and that I I want to help him find a way that, that we can sort of coexist in all of these worlds together. That's hard. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's a, struggle that so many parents are having now because it really is i mean that's that's where the connection is with kids and you know when they had the connection in school it seemed less important to have them play Fortnite for 19 hours a day (laughs) you know but now when now they don't get to see each other and they they don't they just don't have that connection you're absolutely right and and you're right like i watch my son play Fortnite, and you know he's it's kind of like ben b says um in the book like he's leading factions of other kids like there's yes. group work you yes, know group work and, and leadership absolutely and leadership yeah and they're working together to build something to protect someone else and you know they they they're they're learning how to exist in the world i mean everything that you learn in school math and history and all that is important but what you're really really learning is just how to exist with other people and how to deal with people you like and don't like and how to lead and how to follow and those are things that they are learning in these uh, these giant uh, multiplayer games.
0: Children's book podcast is sponsored by Professor Bookworm. Professor Bookworm is an online literacy classroom that offers virtual reading groups and writing sessions for kids grades one through six. Maybe you're at home with your kids. And trying to figure out how learning works best is tough. Maybe your kids are going to in-person school or things just seem to keep changing and what you're looking for is some solid support for your readers. These programs offered by Professor Bookworm are engaging and fun and can be formatted around a family's schedule. Bookworm sessions are the perfect supplement to both in-person and online learning. Bookworm reading groups are conducted through interactive virtual activities and individualized feedback that are geared toward building reading comprehension. Each reading session walks the students through a complete chapter book. The writing program consists of 30-minute writing sessions with an instructor via Zoom. And these sessions, which are designed to improve writing mechanics, can consist of one to four students depending on the child's preferences. The founder, Caroline Zoba, inspired by her work with colleagues and mentors on diversity, equity, and inclusion, is passionate about exposing children to more diversity through the Bookworm program. When building Bookworm programs, she makes an effort to choose books that feature strong, positive, and diverse characters. She hopes to encourage students to explore other cultures, call out racial biases, and develop an inclusive mindset. Get started today! At ProfessorBookworm.com. So, when you started writing this story, did you have a particular child in mind, or did you start out thinking this is going to be a group of kids? that is is meeting for this state test that's the reason why and the only space that they're given because there's so few of them or because the school's being used for whatever reason we're just gonna give them a space at the bottom of the stairwell where the the teacher and the kids have to sort of duck under you know the slant of the stairs um, to meet the 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 small group of them Did did you lead again did you lead with with one child or a group of children How, what led you into this
1: well, initially, I wanted to have um, every kid in the class named Ben. Um, mm. <laughs> I wanted to have you know Ben B and Ben R and Ben Y and Ben J, because there are so many Ben's um, in my kids' <laughs> grades, and I thought that would be funny. But as I started writing, it was confusing. Um, and it became more – when you read the book, you'll see it, it becomes more important um, to understand the other Ben um, and why her name is Ben. Um, so I had to kind of fix that, and then also my um, my kids' middle school when they were in school uh, was very overcrowded, and so there actually was a classroom in the stairwell. We've <laughs> had that before
0: school. too, absolutely. Yeah, in the so, hallways and, was, and in the stairwells. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, in the hallways and the stairwells, and so I was there for parent teacher day, and I was like, "Oh, there really is a classroom under the stairs," because I thought my kids had been joking when they were telling me about it, um, and then that seemed really interesting, like such. Uh, I mean, it's almost not even a, a metaphor, right? Like they, these are literally kids who are not seen right. <laughs> as much as the other kids because they are pushed under the stairs and it has to be a small class. And what are the small classes? They're often the, the special ed classes, they call it, which, you know, it's not great. Um, And yeah, I wanted... pull out groups just,
0: are wherever we can put them.
1: Yeah, and, and I just really wanted... Mm. I. I don't know, I, I had finished writing Redwood and Ponytail, and and I felt so good at being able to write a book for kids who don't feel seen as main characters. And it became more than just, um, I don't know, It every kid, right? You want every kid to be able to see themselves in a book. And if you can write a book for kids who don't like books and have them able to see themselves in the book, um, that became a challenge for me. How can I write a book that kids will love kids who hate books will love um, or at least tolerate. Right. Um, And then what are the stories that they would like to hear their stories about kids who are like themselves. And I started thinking about, you know, my kids and their friends and kids I've met um, traveling kids who have emailed me. And so I just began to kind of like merge them all together into these characters.
0: There's, um, I want to get into this book and I want to get into these characters. And I think that the only way I can really talk about the book, and I'll be mindful of not giving away the end, but I think that the best way for me to talk about the book is to, is to talk about the kids and to talk about their truths and how you explore, you mind those truths as they spend time together. I think that we, we, we we do this other thing in school where we just sort of feel like we're going to put you in a small group and be together you know however many times a week and so we're just going to uh naturally assume that because you're in this small group you're all just going to get along that you all share this this common challenge uh or whatever what, what, whatever it is and so therefore you should all just get along and I think that the way that you manage that is to give them this online space as well in, in sandbox and uh, to have them go between their names or their personalities as we read them while they're learning with Miss J under the stairs and how we read them when they are the divergent dingleberries and they're, they're meeting in this chat room is different. And I think that it's important to know and to, to display that, that children and really all people, we are two different people when we are at home with our family or out with our friends or in a school setting or a work setting. That's a very, very common thing to, to know that we're just that we sort of wear different hats or we are sort of different personalities to match where the space that we're in. And Carrie, I think you do it really beautifully in this book, not only by thoughtfully you know, having the the kids' usernames be like Jordan J Mageden was like such a wonderful <laughs> mouthful all the time, yeah. or ha 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 Javier. To to have ha ha Javier always, well, to have that name be a double entendre that I'll I'll steer away from for now, but to have it first be that here's a kid that doesn't talk in when we're face to face. But it is but but is quite sarcastic and on the nose about comments in this chat space. I found that to be a really interesting and wonderful balance. I really like the personalities you give these children. Although I will say, I I had to spend some time getting to be okay with Miss J, because I hated Miss J for not accepting Ben Y wanting mm-hmm. to be called Ben Y. I could not accept that. That was very hard for me. And this is coming from a place of, I am a strong defender of kids having their names pronounced the right way and having it not be okay. If I say your name wrong, it's not. Don't tell me it's okay. It's not okay. I need to honor you and see you by saying your name the way you want me to say it. And Ms. J does not do that in the beginning or really maybe for three quarters of the book. And it, mm-hmm. that was hard for me. I I, I felt... I felt allied so strongly with Ben Why? because of that.
1: yeah, good because I here's one of the things that i I really work hard on when I'm writing, and it is to show multifaceted uh characters that are flawed um, there you know there are no good guys and bad guys, sometimes the bad guys are good guys, and the good guys are bad guys, and all of that. And I really wanted to show that Ms J, as a teacher who is divergent herself and is working so hard and you can tell has a big heart. She has this failing, you know, and the, and that is she doesn't understand what a big deal it is to Ben Y. Like it's something that she just kind of glosses over, you know, Benita, Benita. Oh, right, right, right. Ben. Blah, 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 blah. Let's move on to the next thing we talk about. When a kid sees that body language and hears you just kind of skate over it and then oh right right right. sorry 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 like that is not a good thing you know like that is a thing that gets tucked away into the recesses of their mind it's something that i remember when i was a kid um in certain parts of my life and my education and whatever like not being listened to you know that they're they're listening to you but they're not hearing you and miss j it takes her a while in this book before she really hears Ben, why? And when she does, then she's like, oh, you know, I've made this mistake. So I'm glad that it that she gave you that kind of visceral feeling, because that's what I want. I want us to love her and to see her flaws and then see her have see her change as the book goes on.
0: you give an opportunity like that to the kids, too, who try to help one of their group members but, in thinking they have this brilliant idea in a way to help that group member who is hesitant to read they 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 really end up with egg on their face for doing something that uh that didn't honor the child because they didn't ask I think so much about especially in my work in education about what it means to preserve a child's dignity is this is whatever I'm doing right now in this act in the classroom preserving their dignity, preserving their dignity for how they want to identify, for uh, who they like, how the the name that they use, the, the the body that they are exploring. there's so many different aspects to preserving dignity and I, I think it's so easy to do harm. And so the that you give the children, something that does harm this this classmate but also give them a chance to sit with it and try to make it right i think is really important too you you let us live with the messy and know that you know sometimes the messy doesn't get cleaned up and sometimes it does but but the outcome is to recognize when when we do something wrong that's that's really goal number 1 and try to make yeah, it right yeah
1: yeah <clears throat> it's recognizing it's not it's again it's kind of learning how to hear someone. Um, I think a lot of the themes in my books are people assuming they know things about other people. And then when they are told, Hey, that assumption is incorrect. You know, you have two choices in how you react to that. You say, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Talk to me about what I did wrong. So I don't do it again. Or you are a jerk about it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And it's really, important to me that kids understand saying i'm sorry is not a weakness you know and when you are learning how to exist in the world with other people learning how to hear them tell you any kind of criticism it doesn't mean that they hate you it means you have hurt them and they're trying to to help you not do that anymore you know um it's all about learning how to not center yourself necessarily and how to hear, um, and how to not make assumptions. Those are, those are, I feel like nowadays if when we can find other adults that don't do that, um, it's, it feels like a bit of a minor miracle, you know, so we can like teach children, if we can start teaching humans at a young age how to resist those, uh, I think it's easy to fall into the trap of assumption mm. and of not hearing and all of those things, especially as you get older and you're a grown up and you think these kids are not also fully formed humans, which they are, you know, yeah. and they they need to learn those things about each other. And as they're growing so that they can become adults that know how to have a discussion and be wrong about something and understand that that's not a weakness
0: yeah we talk about these complex characters and i i can't not think about redwood and ponytail and and the way the way that you held those girls in tension in that book that story was one i think probably the goal is always to have a reader see themselves in some part in a book but carrie i saw myself in that book something fierce and felt that book made me feel some really big feelings it made me explore some really big feelings i am so grateful for for how you think critically about your characters and about what you are saying by what they are saying i thought that was beautiful i think that i think any notion at all I, I, I'm, I'm working at an elementary school level so the notion of talking about who you like or who you're attracted to is a bit muddy in elementary school because we're still kind of figuring that out. We certainly have the space to allow and welcome in or to, to you know, to keep out. And that's a space I hold sacred with my students, um, how much we are welcoming in. But for you to have this this book of these two girls and to explore. To explore what it means to be infatuated, what it feels like, what it means to, to To, observe yourself having feelings for someone that you didn't expect to have feelings for. that I can't even put into words what that book means to me. It was beautiful. Beautifully done.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's just because it's like when you are not afraid of those feelings, ah. <laughs> you know, then they are then it's, it's, it's just such a wonderful, amazing thing that first crush, you know, and, and I feel like all these kids who have grown up for so all over the years who have been afraid to let themselves feel those wonderful things, you know, and just to show them that you don't have to be afraid of that, that it's celebrated and to show all the other kids too, like, oh my gosh, this crush this girl has for this other girl is the same way I feel about, this boy or this girl or whatever this person that again we're building empathy yes. i'm trying so hard to build empathy and to and to like you said have these characters that that you that kids can see themselves in i was i didn't i read voraciously as a child and i was looking for something that i couldn't find and i don't know that i could have named at the time what it was i was looking for but yeah. i was looking for a character I could relate to and I never found I was 40 and I didn't have a character I could really relate to you know and so I sat down to intentionally think about who needed to who needed to see this and who needed to hear it and how how I could do that.
0: The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by our friends at teachingbooks.net. Teaching Books strives to personalize each reader's connections to children's and young adult books. Discover thousands of resources that bring books and reading to life. Sign up for free today at teachingbooks.net. You do beautiful things. (laughs) It wasn't, Carrie, and it wasn't until like... And I talked about this before, but it wasn't until, like, I bet a year or two ago. When did that book come out? Do you know the book Jerome by Heart? It's a beautiful picture book.
1: Oh, it's, yeah. It's a beautiful picture book about,
0: yeah. about about the pureness of loving someone. It doesn't need to be romantic or not. It doesn't need to be named. It's a book by Thomas Scotto and illustrated by Olivia Tallick about just loving someone so much that you you know them by heart and you want to live for them and what i what i hear resonating through what you're saying and 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 just in what you were looking for as a child and probably me too um i don't want to um claim that that i know <laughs> frontward and backward your experience i definitely know mine though <laughs> um and to 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 hold space for children to know that we can celebrate you know how good it feels to like someone that much it feels good to to acknowledge that other people deserve that too and doesn't it feel good to know that whether or not this person likes someone that that you may or may not like it's good to know that they like someone that way it feels good to have your heart feel that i
1: absolutely and it yeah i mean it just like it it becomes a bridge like love is a bridge you know like if we don't agree on anything else the thing that we know we have in common is that we have both felt that way about some other person and you know and that and that someone has felt that way about us and if somebody can feel that way about you then i know you know you there's you have a heart that they have a heart we all have this beating heart and that that bridge that that bridge of love. I mean, I feel so silly saying things like that because it feels very naive, but I mean, it's it's also true. And like, I hate that the world makes me think that feeling that way is naive because it really, that should be our foundation, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, before we wrap, I want to come back to Ben B um, for, I think two, I think two, I'm going to talk about like 40 different things. Watch. But for <laughs> now, I'm going to say two things. Uh, and one is that um, the way you've structured this book is 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 really smart and really does draw readers in, I think, in a special way, also because of the economy of words on the page. When you write in um, poetic form or when you write in, in um, a chat room chat, things like that, you're really giving a lot of white space to the page. Also, the fact that Javier only communicates through emo- emoticons, like really, <laughs> really works to read things fast. Um, but you also have this, this great structural thing which is that whenever they enter the chat they always get the exact same start to the page which is the remembering ghost season is coming do this do that or you're going to lose all your stuff <laughs> and the mundaneness of that over and over and over until it changes was something to me that I was like this is such a clever device to get me reading something that I literally get to the point where I'm not even reading it. I, I If I am reading it, my brain's not even processing the words because I've seen it over and over and over until it changes. But then it changes. Right. Uh-huh. And there are yes. so many things that are that way, that are exactly that way uh, in video game space. Um, but the, the from there, maybe just the thing I want to acknowledge just with you and I as a person who has read your book and you as the person who knows what happens in the book, the strength you give Ben Y in this book and where she comes from, you know, Ben Y, I think we can say, I think it's fair to say, because we learn early enough that, that the reason why she goes by Ben Y is to honor her, her late brother. And I don't need to go further into that other than, you know, there are reasons why kids use names, uh, and why kids fight for the things they fight for that sometimes they express to us and sometimes they don't, and it's not really my right to know why a kid wants to use a name they use or a a interest that they have or whatever they they that's their truth, and that's their truth to to hold and I just need to honor the dignity of them having that truth, but the strength you give Ben Y and the the light that she carries to share that with others is is something beautiful and I'm I'm grateful for whenever that came to you in this story writing process that you let <laughs> Ben Y hold that truth throughout the book when we had the reveal for the reader was was magnificent it was it was beautiful it was everything it was something I returned to it was dog-eared for sure but it was something <laughs> I came, that I returned to thank you for that
1: Excellent. You're welcome. And you should know that um, I just finished Ben Wise's book. Hers is, I was waiting for it. That yes. was my part two. My part two was that yeah. this, this book
0: has a... It has a lot of words on the cover because it says Ben B and the teacher griefer. Cool. But above that in yellow, it says the kids under the stairs. And I'm like, you know, I know when people do things like that. I was teasing Varian Johnson and Shannon Wright, who have a brilliant new graphic novel that just came out called Twins. But when you look up Twins on IndieBound, it says Twins. And in parentheses, it says Twins number one. And I was like, I know (laughs) what those clues mean. So I'm so glad you said that. You said it's Ben Wise's
1: book. Yes, um, the next oh. book is Ben Y and the Ghost in the Machine. No, oh, oh my word, Carrie, I want to read it right I now. Know. This moment. Yeah, well, it, we just we're the mechs are coming. Make sure everything is good to go, and it'll be it'll Stop be out. It. next, are next you, fall
0: Does it have? I, mean, then, I assume going from the name seems very very close to the Ghost in the Shell, a very famous <laughs> anime. Are we are we at all playing in? You don't even say. Never mind. Nerd dumb. I'm good. We're all good.
1: Yes, I'll keep it. Uh, I think you're going to like it. And then, you know, uh, any second now, I'm going to get started on Jordan's book. Stop. And we'll it. see what happens oh. there. So they're all, there's each each kid is going to have their own book, and they're all companions. So it's not technically sequels. I mean, I think Benby and the Teacher Griever is called Benby and the Teacher Griever, and Benby is centered a little bit, but you do get to meet everyone. And I'm working really hard to make sure that any book you pick up out of the four, it's. It doesn't really matter which one is in which order, um, which We're has not, proven like, to be. In-
0: <gasps> specific. I bet that's hard. Yeah,
1: it's, it's proven to be incredibly difficult.
0: <laughs> Wait, when you and but... I first talked ages ago, for what book did we? What book would we have first talked for? It oh, wasn't knockout. Maybe? It would have been before the house arrest. Maybe house,
1: house arrest. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. So
0: ages ago, when we talked about house arrest, you said something on recording that I have never forgotten about you. And I bet you can anticipate what I'm going to say, but you said when you write poems for a book, you have this habit of writing them all on like index cards or something, and then laying them out all over your floor and figuring out how does this all go together? Do you remember saying that?
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how that's how we do. Are we playing
0: (laughs) then with have you needed a bigger floor trying to look at how like multiple books can sort of overlap too? Oh, this poem is good, but it should probably stay in this (laughs) storyline. Let me save that for Jordan's book.
1: 100%. It's about, it's a lot about like reveal, like when do I reveal this thing about this character and do I, and if I'm hinting about it here, but I'm revealing it here, does the actual timeline matter? And there's, there's a whole lot of moving pieces trying to figure out how to do it the right way. But I think so far with Ben B and Ben Y, we're doing it. And I have like, I have spiral notebooks um, for Jordan and Javier that I keep open as <laughs> like, as I was writing Ben Y so that I could make notes about this and about that and about who's doing what and when, and you know, when are we going to show that? Cause what I want, I, I'm imagining like if you are up in the sky and you are looking down at this school, you could zoom in on this one spot in time and that's been why. And you can mm. zoom in on another spot of the day or the school or whatever you're just kind of it's the timeline is not what's important. It's what's happening um in their relationships and like in their lives. And so you can understand how they're relating to Miss J cuz she's in the mall and yeah. And it's it's a it's a bit I've bitten off a lot. <laughs> but it's a it's a fun challenge and um, each book I'm having, I don't, I'm just having so much fun. I forget these kids aren't real people oh, just like I, I know did that with feeling and, and so Taylor and I actually, we were like, what, what do you think like Jordan is doing during lockdown? And I'm like, Oh yeah. wait, you know Jordan isn't actually real, but, um, what, what are they doing? And and that's another thing. Like the knowing that the series is going to stretch out. Um, do we address any of that? Um, not being in school and having to go online.
0: Carrie, can I just uh, say that Jordan and any of those kids, just if I can say this as a reader, Jordan is just as real as any reader you have never met face to face.
1: Jordan, to me, yeah. I like. I mean, all of them are. Isn't that
0: like a beautiful thing that you, if you're doing it right, these characters, these kids are absolutely real. Even if you were writing some like sci-fi, whatever with you know bugs as main characters, still, if you write a character right, they are absolutely real. And I am grateful oh, that yeah. that you wrote these that they are real. I can I ask you? A, I knew that it was going to come up with follow up questions. Can I ask you just one more thing? Sure. So, did uh, how? So book two has been why <laughs> to me, and it could be because of the character that I attached onto, or the stakes, or the Backstory or the whatever, but for me, in Ben B and the teacher griefer, the story felt so much more about Ben Y. Again, that could absolutely just be me. I I could I can hear an argument for why it's much more about Javier. I can hear an argument for I can hear an argument for all of them, for even Miss J. I can hear an argument. But did you intentionally start? Was this a conversation with Taylor to start with Ben B, so that? Ben Y could have a story next or is maybe maybe that's just my reader experience that that is making me excited that Ben Y is the one that I would like to hear most from next
1: so what happened here's what happened was that that was that really happened kind of in reverse like this as I was sat down I knew I was going to have these characters and I started writing there was actually another character um in it whose name was Asia and she merged with Ben Y um, as I started to get to know Ben Y a little more. And I really had trouble finding the character of Ben B because Ben Y was speaking so much to me. Like as I started writing, I, I was like, Oh wow. Like I need to get a spiral notebook for her, you know, <laughs> and I started writing yeah. down all these things because even with the amount of things that, happened to her character that she's dealing with in this book that all is so much more in hers and i just as i was writing the relationship between ben b and ben y uh, ben y was the one that was shining bright um and i knew that her book like i really had the the oomph i don't know the light inside of me to write that Mm, story um and it became that ben b really we we get to know his character, and we're gonna, and we're going to get to know his character more and more, like through the other characters. If that makes sense, like he is kind of there. I feel like they sort of orbit around him. Like he's a little bit like thing,
0: even the, from the first the guy, book, yeah.
1: Yeah, like he's he's the centering force in this little universe. He's um, like the DM, that, right? He's the dungeon master. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of, I think, hard to understand in Ben B and the teacher group. But I have to just tell readers to trust me. Because people have already said, like, this. Why, why is this called Ben B when it's not his, like, only his story? And it's called Ben B because Ben B is a, the glue to this group. And they don't know that he's the glue to the group at right now, you know? But it's a thing that we learn like as we see them grow together, we learn why it's been B in the teacher grouper because all of them, you know, he's there. Yeah. He's their DM and miss J is too, but she's a grown-up, right? Like she's, yeah. she has to be in her own little solar system kind of watching over. Um, he's yeah, he, he is the center, but he is not centered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think
0: mean, your book is so rad and I'm, giddy to talk to you more about just what you have planned, but just all the things. I can't wait for all the things, Carrie. Thank you so much for taking time aside to talk to me today. That means a whole lot.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Matthew, for having me. This is always so fun. I love our chats. We should do this more often.
0: Uh, Well, you've got a couple more books on the way. I think we're totally going to do that. (laughs) Well, and even... But of course, the offer is always extended, even offline. I love the (laughs) the, the fact that my brain operates like every time I talk to a person, I have to record it, right? That's what eight years of (laughs) podcasting will do to you. Um, But I, I want to, we have talked so much about children and their dignity and their beauty and their voice. I want to give you a chance to speak directly to your readers. And specifically, I want to give you a chance to speak directly to my readers. So Carrie, I will see... A library full of children tomorrow morning is there a message that I can bring to them from you
1: I just the message to them is that I want them to know that uh that I I see them you know and 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 I mean that in a holistic way you know you are seen um you are brilliant uh if your legs don't fit under the desk because they're wiggly. And, you know, if your bubbles are out of lines for tests, that's not your fault, kid. You know, this, this is a weird quantitative system that we have. And not everyone is made for that. And just because you don't fit in that little square, it doesn't mean that you aren't brilliant because you are. And uh, I want every kid to understand that, that I see you. I see you for who you are and I celebrate you for who you are.
0: The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. Want to help out the show? Become a patron at patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner, and your support and contributions will directly support and impact my work here. And always, writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that is a very good thing indeed.